lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin, and all of you at 888-900-3393. Again, that's 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Uh, You can also let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show show over on parlor at steve dace check out our new youtube channel youtube.com slash steve dace you can also check out my new book a nefarious carol that is dropping on december the 15th it's the novella sequel to my 2016 book a nefarious plot which we'll be talking about later today with theology thursday you can pre-order your copy today to make sure you get yours just in time for christmas well, I mean, your Christmas too, but especially my kids' Christmas. Thank you to all of you that have pre-ordered your copy. You can go to the uh, author page there on Amazon, read more about the book, uh, look at some of the descriptions, uh, check out the really cool cover for yourself, A Nefarious Carol coming on December the 15th. I mentioned we're talking about its predecessor, A Nefarious Plot, which is looking more and more like a nefarious prophecy. Uh, we're doing that for Theology Thursday. We'll continue that series uh, next hour. We'll take a brief respite and break from politics and the election with three non-political questions. At the bottom of this hour, we're going to wrestle with the question, hey, are we seeing this sort of um, social justice, uh, liberation theology that has infiltrated a lot of Catholicism? Are we seeing it now infiltrate a lot of evangelicalism? Uh, as well. We'll talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Good News. According to the Commerce Department, the United States gross domestic product grew 33.1% in the third quarter of this year. It's a record since the government began tracking quarterly growth back in 1947 and exceeds the 32% estimate from the Dow Jones. And now the curious case of the missing documents. Fox News' Tucker Carlson says on Monday of this week, his show received documents regarding the Biden family that were, quote, damaging. Those documents were shipped to New York while Carlson and a crew were in California preparing for this week's interview with Biden whistleblower Tony Bobolinsky. What happened next was interesting. We texted a producer in New York and we asked him to send those documents to us in L.A. and he did that. So Monday afternoon of this week, he shipped those documents overnight to California with a large national carrier, a brand name company that we've used, you've used countless times with never a single problem. But the Biden documents never arrived in Los Angeles. Tuesday morning, we received word from the shipping company that our package had been opened and the contents were missing. The documents had disappeared. Now, to its credit, the company took this very seriously and immediately began a search. They traced the envelope from the moment our producers dropped it off in Manhattan on Monday all the way to 3.44 a.m. yesterday morning. That's when an employee at a sorting facility in another state Notice that our package was open and empty. Apparently, it had been opened. So the company's security team interviewed every one of its employees who touched the envelope we sent. They searched the plane and the trucks that carried it. 
They went through the office in New York where our producer dropped that package off. They combed the entire cavernous sorting facility. They used pictures of what we had sent so that searchers would know what to look for. They went far and beyond, but they found nothing. Those documents have vanished. As of tonight, the company has no idea and no working theory even about what happened to this trove of materials, documents that are directly relevant to the presidential campaign just six days from now. We spoke to executives at that company a few hours ago. They seemed baffled and deeply bothered by this. And so are we. Speaking of Carlson, his interview with the aforementioned Bobolinsky delivered more than 7.5 million viewers on Tuesday night of this week. For reference, 10.3 million people watched Game 6 of the World Series, and that was on the same night. Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg of Twitter and Facebook, respectively, were grilled in front of the Senate yesterday. Mr. Dorsey, do you believe the, the Holocaust really happened, yes or no? Yes. So you would agree that someone who says the Holocaust may not have happened is spreading misinformation, yes or no? Uh, yes. It's strange to me that you've flagged the tweets from the president, but haven't hidden the Ayatollah's tweets on Holocaust denial or calls to wipe Israel off the map. So somebody who denies the Holocaust has happened is not misinformation. It's it's misleading information, but we don't have a policy against that type of misleading information. Mr. Dorsey, did I understand you to say that you have no information indicating that the New York Post story about Hunter Biden is um, is a, 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 has a, a Russian source? Did I understand correctly that? Yes, not that I'm aware of. Is that also your answer, Mr. Zuckerberg, that you have no information at all? You, you don't have any such information, do you? I do not myself. Washington Post tweets, pro-Trump voices have Mark Zuckerberg's ear. Is that why Facebook undermines liberal news sites? Ayatollah Khomeini tweets, yes, that's a real thing. The next question to ask is, why is it a crime to raise doubts about the Holocaust? Why should anyone who writes such doubts be imprisoned while insulting the prophet is allowed? Dr. Mahathir Mohamad, former prime minister of Malaysia, tweets, Muslims have a right to be angry and to kill millions of French people for the massacres of the past. And that's where we'll go next. Across the pond, a terrorist entered a church in Nice, France, and killed three people with a knife, including the beheading of one 70-year-old woman before being shot and injured by police and taken into custody. The mayor of Nice, Christian Estrazi, says the man had said Alu Akbar several times while he was being arrested and handcuffed by police. The mayor went on to say, quote, Enough is enough. We have to remove this Islamofascism from our territory. Two weeks ago, a history teacher, Samuel Patty, a 47-year-old, was beheaded outside his secondary school in northern Paris after showing his class caricatures, including one of the Prophet Muhammad, during a discussion on free speech. Back stateside, the Girl Scouts deleted a tweet and then apologized for the tweet, congratulating Amy Coney Barrett on being the fifth woman confirmed to the Supreme Court. Quote, earlier today, we shared a post highlighting the five women who had been appointed to the Supreme Court. It was quickly viewed as a political and partisan statement, which was not our intent, and we have removed the post. You may remember a couple of years ago when the New York Times, actually, no, you probably don't remember it because that's the New York Times, but anywho, a couple of years ago, the paper published an expose written by the pseudonym Anonymous, who purported to be a high-level cabinet official in the White House who wrote of a secret resistance working against the president within his own administration. Yesterday, Anonymous revealed his identity and, wait for it, it's some dude named Miles Taylor, who was the chief of something for the something of Homeland Security Undersecretary, 
Taylor, if you want to know anything about the lack of credibility he possesses, left the White House to join CNN as a contributor and said this on CNN in August. You're not, you're not anonymous. The president, and I certainly don't want to. Uh, I, I wear a mask for two things, Anderson, uh, Halloweens and uh, pandemics. So, no. And finally, in completely unrelated news, what happens when you mix a cable news reporter and supposed hurricane force winds? Answer, fake news. And that's what happened while we were away. Is anything we're, we, we, we are shown? Nope. Is, any, is anything nope. real? Nope. I mean anything. Nope. Anything at all is anything real. My anger. High-ranking high cabinet official uh, apparently means undersecretary to the deputy Bing counter. And that guy looks and sounds like every dude that when you punched him in gym class, the teacher looked the other way because he had it coming. And when when you guys were like going through drills, and a lot of times this is called the Oklahoma drill, where you go one-on-one in football. You wanted and, that guy. And you're like, you went, you went, and then you're slowly going back in your line and you're sizing up who's on the other side, right? Trying to match it up in your head. On a, you're, you're tr- that's the guy you're trying to make sure. Yeah, I want to make sure I'm up against that guy, right? Now, so, now he owns you. Yes, yeah. Whatever. I mean, this is this is this is going to be the most beta. I've lamented about this in the past. Other civilizations had Attila, Saladin. You know what I'm saying? Conquerors worthy of them. Alexander. We get pajama boy. Yes. (laughs) Jeez. Can we at least go down to a badass? This is the most embarrassing cultural conquering of a, of a, of a world power in all no, of human history. It's so stark because Bob Alinsky, an actual veteran. Yes. Getting like me- high intelligence clearance and everything else. Yes. Getting yeah. memory hold. But right at the very same time, this guy being put forward. I mean, it's just it, there's been many unofficial declarations. of war. This is an official declaration of war by the press. We hate you, and we're going to ruin you. We're taking this guy over that. If you want to know how bad this was, and I don't want to belabor this point more than it's worth, uh, but we should mention as well, even Jonathan Swan at Axios, there was a, a Washington Post reporter as well, who, when this news broke about who Anonymous was, which none of, like nobody, it's like QAnon level of yeah. uh, palace intrigue. Yeah. Even those two were like, really? Really, this guy? This is the guy? Aaron's Montage brought to you by one of my new product, one of the best things of, of 2020. And, and in all fairness, there haven't been a lot, okay? There have not been a lot. But one of the things of 2020 I've loved the most is getting introduced to Built Bar. I first found out about it listening to sports podcasts, trying to get away from the dumb that we have to talk about on this show every day. And they just kept hounding about this protein bar. And I'm, I've been on the lookout for one with more than one flavor because I've, I've been down to this one protein bar at Costco that I that I like the taste of and I can digest, but it's really only one flavor that I really like. And I've been down to it for the last few years. And you get kind of sick of it after a while. And I'm like, okay, I'll give it a shot just to spite you. So I went in for a box and it blew me away. And I've gone in for like five or six more 
And then we got the call, hey, Built Bar's coming to the Steve Day Show. And I'm like, I could not be more excited to tell more people about this. It is a phenomenal protein bar. It's it's going to rank up there with a lot of the candy bars that you eat nowadays, but with like none of the sugar, less than five grams a bar, less than 200 calories a bar, the protein that you're looking for, 18 assorted flavors, all of them covered in chocolate. Trust me, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. I'm already getting I'm getting a note every day in my inbox. Dude, you're so right about this. Thanks for introducing us to this. If you want to take the plunge with Built Bar, B-U-I-L-T, by the way, Built Bar, use the promo code DACE for 20% off when you go to their website. Only place right now you can get Built Bars at BuiltBar.com, BuiltBar.com, and use the promo code DACE. All right, for the overtime today, we're going to discuss... Um, uh, an interesting tweet from a Fox News producer that I retweeted last night. His observations on the on, on a core difference between the left and the right in America. That the right seeks out dissenting voices and the left does not. Is that true? And then if it is, what does it say about both sides? And then what does it say about our future ability to live together. We'll get into that in the overtime today. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash dace and it will be posted there for you after we record it following today's show. You can watch it uh, on demand when it's convenient for you. But if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, I mean, if if you watched uh, those clips of Jack and, and Zuckerberg that Aaron showed and there's more, the Ayatollah can tweet whatever he wants, apparently, any anti-Semitic rant he wants, any denial of history he wants, Donald Trump cannot tweet an actual uh, story that's been reported about voter fraud in Pennsylvania. And so if you think that if Biden wins, it's guaranteed that you're just going to sit back and go to your Facebook page or your your, your iTunes account and get the, the podcast of the Glenn Beck or Steve Day shows to dissent against them, maybe you will. I, I don't know that you can guarantee that. So one way you can guarantee you get access to us is to take advantage of the the most inexpensive discount we've ever offered, $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV so that you can go directly from us to you with no middleman. Just get our content directly fed to you at your convenience or live if you want at blazetv.com. Use the promo code Steve. It comes out to less than $6 a month. Less than six bucks a month for the promo code Steve at blazetv.com, our biggest discount ever. Right now at blazetv.com. So let's get to what was in the montage. Watching this clip last night of, of Tucker Carlson talk about what happened to the documentation that they had a courier send from the Fox offices in New York City out to where they were filming in California. And watching him lay all this out. And now I, I'm looking right now. Apparently UPS has come forward yep. and identified themselves yep. as the courier. Have they said anything to contradict him or anything at all that you no. have seen? They're conducting a uh, quote-unquote urgent investigation and confirmed basically the, the, the facts that Carlson laid out. So I, I worked at UPS in college. I uh, was a member of the Teamsters Union at UPS. I made sure to leave in good standing. I got paid very well, made $10 an hour as a part-time employee while I was in college. That was like in the early 90s. Man, that's good money. All right, first-class company all the way. Hard work, 
loading trucks at UPS. I think you've done it in the past too. Yeah. It it's it ain't for the faint of heart. Which is why the first opportunity I had to get out of there and do next day air uh, packages instead took full advantage of that. <laughs> all right. It's a workout, but it's a first class company all the way. And you have to understand those of you that have not worked at UPS, you've shipped something there, but everything is digital. Everything is. I mean, it's it's really hard to just have something opened and not know how that occurred. They've got all kinds of layers of policies for that. It's 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 really difficult, which makes it very difficult to damn near impossible for me to believe that of all the packages that UPS just happened to have this happen to, given its extensive accounting system. That's why a lot of people use it instead of the post office, right? <laughs> I just have a hard time believing. I mean, I don't know how many packages UPS runs through a day. Hundreds of thousands, I would guess, minimum. And this just happens to be the one that was opened and emptied. To quote Joe Biden, come on, man. Come on. That's one hell of a coincidence. Like, I got struck by lightning six times. Kind of coincidence. Oh, man. I just happened to be the only guy left on earth, and I stumbled in uh, when America's greatest swimsuit model was on the rebound and desperate. And I gave her the cheesiest line I have, and it worked. Kind of luck. That doesn't happen in real life. There's no way that's a coincidence. No way. It's brazen, and it's out in the open. And you have to ask yourself, if they can penetrate the fourth wall of the UPS delivery system to that extent. What else can they do? What can they just manufacture? What can they just make up? This is Epstein didn't kill himself level of brazen. Ah, just uh, the just so happened the day we had the worst sex offender in human history that had names and addresses and videos of the most powerful people in the world partaking of trafficked underage girls on an island. It just so happens the night that we had him, the video system conked out while he managed to get the materials through a national security or I'm sorry, a maximum security checkpoint uh, into his room to kill himself. I mean, who knew if we didn't have Wuhan for luck, we'd have no luck at all, guys, right? It's that level of open your mouth while I whip it out and urinate straight in it. And then grab an umbrella. Hey, what do you think of that rainfall? Boy, that's one hell of a raining cats and dogs out here. Just another derecho, Steve. Yes. Coming through Iowa. It's that level of they don't they're so desperate. They don't care how bad it looks. They don't care how dumb it looks. They don't care how brazen it is. This narrative just has to be squashed. It has to be. What does that tell you? 
And I think we all know, given Joe Biden's current mental state and the fact that the guy has been a walking faux pas gaffe machine his entire career, this isn't like some operation that that the the Biden family put together. You know what I'm saying? No, no. Other elements are responsible for this. Who are they? What else can they do? This is like this is we're like full Pelican brief right now. We are full on in in John Grisham territory now, and it's real life kind of stuff. And we're watching it play out right now. That's the the interview that he had with Tony Bobolinsky. That's the largest. Uh, that's the largest audience a news channel has had in television history, for for anything other than a live event, a debate, the election, etc. And he already had the biggest audience in cable news history, four and a half to five million people, which means it grew, what fifty percent. I mean, seven and a half, almost million viewers on the same night as yep. the final game of the World Series. Yeah. And that is that doesn't count, by the way, if it's if the broadcast itself is generating that. What are the clips and those sorts of things that come out of it? What kind of traffic is it generating off of an interview like that? I'm telling you, by the time we get done with this, at the rate they're going over there, they're going to turn me into a smarter Alex Jones. I, I'm. How do I come up with, if, if Occam's razor is in effect, how do I come up with anything other than a conspiracy theory about what happened to Tucker Carlson's documentation? You can't and you shouldn't. Because I've worked there. By the way, you, know, you want to know where I worked? Just so you guys know, in the early 90s. I worked at the Grand Rapids, Michigan UPS plant, which was, that was the pilot plant for, for when they went full digital at UPS. We were the pilot program. We were the first plant to go full digital. We were the pilot program for the entire company at the time. I, I have to imagine their processes for tracking packages has improved immensely even since the early 1990s i would imagine sure and you don't you don't stay in business competing against the united states government so it's hard to compete against a government that can print money hard to compete against an entity that can print money when you cannot right hard to hard to do that and yet you think ups has stayed in business this entire time because this happens to them all of the time why do people go to ups instead of the post office so that stuff like this does not happen. To me, this story is chilling. And it's reminiscent of the Epstein story. It makes it really difficult to deny that there's unseen forces at play when you see, when you see stuff like this. Do you have any thoughts on this, Todd? Well, extrapolate... I think it's just official now. The only way, I'm speaking for me, but the only way Donald Trump loses this election 
is through corruption at this level, in my opinion. Based on what we saw with the economic numbers today, every most other things that uh, I think any reasonable person can track, Donald Trump can't legitimately lose this election at this point unless some other weirdness happens between now and Tuesday. See, this is this is though goes to what I was talking about yesterday. Right now, you have to ask yourself. Do you believe that a bunch of blue state governors who practice, and and some red state governors did as well, they did as well, but they don't have a political incentive to undermine the election process, obviously. So do you believe a bunch of blue state governors that practiced voodoo, flat earth, junk science, to justify keeping their people locked up for most of this year, are now, and I'm looking at you, Tom Wolf. I'm looking at you, Gretchen Whitmer. Do you really believe that all of a sudden, I'm looking at you, what's the guy's name uh, in North Carolina that canceled the GOP convention? Who am I thinking of? Who's the Democratic governor down there? Oh. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking at you guys. Roy Is it Cooper? Cooper. Roy, Roy Cooper. Cooper. I'm looking at you folks. Do you really believe those people are now going to suddenly preside after after all the science and data and reality they've denied since the middle of March? Do you believe now, eight months later, on the first Tuesday in November, they're going to suddenly preside over a fair election that doesn't give them the result that they want? I don't. Neither do I. I don't. And that's what I'm afraid of. I, and I don't like believing such things, by the way. But I don't. I don't believe that. And I want to, be, I want to believe that. Because I know what the alternative to that is. And it's... Stana Carvey once said impersonating George H.W. Bush, it's bad, it's bad. I know what the alternative is to it. But I don't... I don't believe that. And I, I think... I think he has to win by an uh, by a margin that cannot be denied. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and I don't think he's popular enough to do that. Now I'll tell you, I voted early today. The reason why is I'm going to Dallas next week to cover the election uh, with Blaze TV. So I'm I'm not going to be home to vote in person. I'm going to be down there. So for the first time ever, I voted early and I voted today. For the first time since 2004. I voted for the Republican presidential nominee for president. I voted alternatives the last three elections. This is the first time I voted for the GOP nominee for president since 2004. I voted for Donald Trump today. So I think he's worth a second term. I want him to win. I just look at the links these people go to. I mean, there's a clip out today of MSNBC reporting on what's going on in France and just totally ignoring the Allah Akbar chants. I, I just, I have a hard time believing that when given power, now MSNBC doesn't have power. They have an, a platform, an audience, but they, they themselves cannot en- enact their vain imaginings. You know what I mean? They, they can't do that. They don't run an election office. They don't run a secretary of state's office. They, they can't do it themselves. But Governors Cooper, Whitmer, and Wolf can. 
So the governor who told you that you couldn't go out and plant seeds in your yard. And then when you protested her said, well, you don't really need your rights when it's snowing out. Remember that? She's now going to suddenly say, hot diggity dog, man. We'll get him next time. Donald Trump won. I don't believe it. I don't. And I hate that. The guy who 48 hours ago stood up on camera and said that these protests, we hope they stay peaceful in Philadelphia while the city was burning. And says, let me introduce you to my my health uh, minister who uh, has mental health problems, obviously, and make sure you get his correct proper pronoun while he dresses in drag. You think that guy's going to turn right around and say, I can't believe it. John, Donald Trump won Pennsylvania twice in a row. I don't believe it. I don't. I've seen too much this year. Too many lies. Another study comes out about this remdesivir. Is that what it's called? Remdesivir. Yeah, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. But the FDA boy rushed to make sure that they gave it approval for a drug that doesn't work. Just doesn't work. Another study came out. Doesn't work. From another country. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I'm not going to lie to you. I I don't believe that they will allow it. I don't. And I hope I'm wrong. But given the trend line we've seen this year, do you really think that if Trump gets the most votes on Tuesday, they're just going to hand him the presidency back and do it peacefully? I want some of what... I want some of what you're believing because I I could use some of that right now because I don't have it. So what does COVID-19 have to do with potentially losing your home? Turns out it might be a lot because cybercrime has skyrocketed more than 75% this year, according to the feds. And that has a lot to do potentially with vulnerability with our homes because online is where a lot of our home titles are kept these days. Cyber criminals know this. So they've created a whole new crime called home title theft or fraud. Uh, And what they do is they go online, forge your signature on a quit claim deed and refile as the new owner of your home, making it look like you sold your home to them. They now own it. They possess your equity. They can take out HELOCs. They can liquidate uh, your asset there and stick you with the payments. Maybe you don't even know about it until an eviction or foreclosure notice shows up in the mail. But thankfully, Home Title Lock will put a virtual barrier around your home's title so that the instant they detect any tampering whatsoever, they will mobilize to shut it down. But first things first, go to HomeTitleLock.com right now and register your address to see if you're already a victim of home title fraud, but don't yet know it at HomeTitleLock.com. And then while you're there, use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection. Use the code RADIO for 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to three non-political questions. 
all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? A question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Well, unfortunately, we had a little bit of a uh, last-second change. So uh, I'm going to look up the three questions that I wrote last week because I was not prepared to do this for another hour. I mean, this is live radio and television. I thought of a joke yesterday while I looked this up. You want to hear it, Steve and Todd? The joke was, Steve, let's do three questions, but I don't have my questions. Is that Was that the joke? Yeah, it's <laughs> called uh, trying to get Skype to work and then uh, not having it actually work. Uh, the joke is, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck. Holy cow, what are you doing with a talking duck? Question number one, what's the most heroic thing you've ever done? And what's the most heroic thing you should have done but didn't? Oh, um, I, I, I saved a guy's life once potentially in college. Maybe that would be it. No, you didn't. I did with, with the Heimlich maneuver. I did. There was a guy on my floor at Wonders Hall and, uh, his name was Steve and he had an, ele- his name was Steve too. Uh, he had an electronic drum oh, set. that's right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, he was great at it. Um, I mean, he used to be able to, this is, you know, way before Guitar Hero and stuff like you can do now or Rock Band at home. He had like an electronic drum set and used to sit back in his dorm room and try to play along to Keith Moon of The Who. And he was, I mean, pretty close. I mean, it was really cool. And uh, we were watching like the debut episode of Beavis and Butthead. And they played frog baseball. Do you, get, do you remember this? I do. They played baseball with a frog. All right. And it was hilarious. All right, just watching him throw this frog back and forth. We go down to the cafeteria for dinner after watching this as a group of guys, and we're joking and laughing about it. I think they're serving London broil that night at the Michigan State Wonders Hall cafeteria. And we start, you know, joking around about the Beavis and Butthead episode, and I'm sitting next to him, and next thing I know, man, dude just starts gagging. And everybody kind of froze. And he was a little, I mean, he was a wee lass. I mean, he's a little dude. So I was, I was skinnier then, but I was still a lot bigger than him. I, I didn't know that. I, 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 no one like taught it to me. I just saw it demonstrated, you know, and you're always, but they, they always used to warn you, Hey, you could break somebody's sternum and stuff with it. And I thought my mind's like, Hey, if I try to help this guy, I might seriously hurt him. And then like the whole lunchroom stops and turns around and I just instinct took over. I jumped up, grabbed him, and and did the best version of it that I had seen demonstrated before. And this piece of London bro man came flying out. So, I guess that's another way of telling you I've not done anything heroic since whatever was the date that Beavis and Butthead de- debuted on MTV because it was it was that night. So 1992, 1993. So it's been a minute what since do you, I've done something heroic. So do you remember the debut or? saving a guy's life well it was all encompassed it all happened the same night okay. so i remembered it as a package deal um when was the last time i could have done something heroic and i did not i wish i wish i would have made 
more of a stink about the let's keep apologizing to Ben Carson for something we didn't do that that cost us in the Cruz campaign all of our momentum coming out of Iowa took us off message for a month and we just could never recover fully our mojo after that. I, I wished I would have and I, I, I believe me I you guys know I was I was raising some of a stink about this but I mean I wished I would have really just gone to the mat of risking relationships by saying we're gonna blow this whole thing on this non-stupid story i i wished i would have done that so i'll go with that maybe uh well i've talked about it on the show today i probably put my uh when i got arrested at the des moines register and the follow-up they're in and how they many forces tried to make it go away and i just i wouldn't let that happen and i ended up coming out clean on the other side so that's probably that uh when i it's funny the story you just living life and things that pop back into your head every once in a while a time when I, i believe i was a freshman in high school and i witnessed some other kids in the lunchroom kind of hazing tormenting a a special needs kid every once in a while that just flashes into my brain and i didn't i wasn't a part of it but i also didn't i just didn't do anything and it's it's that kind of thing that it's funny you know people always talk about you know why aren't you more sensitive why do you go about things the way you do you as if they're, they're trying to so they can continue to perpetuate their various scams, make it seem as if I'm bullying anybody. But ultimately, to be a bull in the china shop is the one of the things you must be willing to do, as Steve just got done saying about that ridiculous narrative. You just must uh, explode it. But in terms of real bullying, I, I, I absolutely hate it, which is why I hate fake nonsense public school bullying policies that are all words but when it's really time to do something nobody does a damn thing it's why when all my kids went to school for the first time and i've just got four daughters i don't i don't have uh uh, boards where you teach that lesson about you know playground justice things like that but my all my four-year-old girls when i sent them off to preschool i said oh the only thing i ask is of you is when you see somebody being bullied you need to stand up for them no matter what no matter what well said i'd say um one time i could have been a hero and not was earlier in the segment i could have pushed back on steve Moore for his his little jab at suggesting we do three questions while i was frantically trying to push buttons and sound smart at the same time i could have been a hero then but i i was not i don't know um yesterday yesterday um i carried i carried an entire love seat down three stories of stairs for uh an old couple who was buying them from me i guess that's pretty heroic uh no there's been there have been multiple times where you can just uh you can just um do little acts that are not necessary like uh iron man acts of kindness as well but there have been a few times where i've like bought groceries for people in 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 line at uh, at the store um if I was being totally honest with you, it was just because I was being held up. And I'm like, sure, I'll pay for your groceries. Just get out of here. But uh, no, those those types of moments as well. There have been several moments, seriously, though. You look back, and it kind of along the lines of what you were saying, Steve, where you look back and, uh, man alive, I could have made somebody really, really uncomfortable 
and for a good for a good reason Mm -hmm. and i for whatever reason just uh today is not the day to fight that and you always end up kicking yourself for that question two if you needed a fictional lawyer to get you off the hook for murder who would you cheers of these of these five saul goodman perry mason gomez adams ben matlock or vinnie gambini that's uh joe pesci yep because a couple of those i don't know who they are um so gomez is that the adams family yep he was a lawyer i forgot that he was a lawyer okay i thought that was some modern show i was not aware of i don't know who's who is the saul guy at the beginning i don't know who that is better call saul better call saul breaking bad okay i've never seen the show so i'm not familiar with it um I, i guess i'm going with uh ben matlock you can trust andy griffith can't you i mean if you cannot trust andy griffith who can you freaking trust okay so if i need somebody to if i if i need somebody to trust my story i i need i need an attorney that's as known for as much trustworthiness as absolutely possible because i don't want to win on a technicality I don't, I want to win on the merits. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to, Hey, the, the evidence was bad. So, so it was not No, I want to hear innocent, not, not guilty. You know what I mean? Like innocent. Like I want, I want to be absolved, you know, of this. So give me the most earnest guy on the list. I'm going with Andy Griffith. That was the first one. The better call Saul guy. Saul Goodman. Then I think I'm going Perry Mason. Yeah. He's got the most gravitas, I think. My top two are, are Saul Goodman and Vinny Gambini. Uh, with Saul Goodman, though, there's at least a 95% shot that just by associating with him, you're going to end up with a cartel bullet in your head and out in the middle of nowhere in the New Mexico what, what, desert. What possessed you to ask this question? <sighs> Why is that always a relevant question? Why? What possessed you to ask? The, it's just a creative question. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. Uh, Vinny Gambini is probably who I would... If a guy like that... Well, you're, you're it, a ute. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Ute. Uh, yeah. If a guy like that can get a couple of people out and learn that much in that short of amount of time, yeah. get a couple of guys off the hook for murder. He's been known for getting Utes off. Uh, he, <laughs> hey, that's not what I meant. <laughs> if a guy like that can get Marissa Tomei to date him, yeah, you know, there's some game there. That's a, yeah. that's a good call, too. Yeah. yeah. I hear you. So I think I'm going with Vinny Gambini. Uh, question three, which Star Wars character would you most like to have over to your house as a guest? That's a really good question because, man, I could take that in multiple directions, multiple. Um, Obi-Wan. I, I could make that call. Yeah. Obi-Wan, like, because there's you saw, there's there's that side of him where in it's in uh, Attack of the Clones, just another dreadful Star Wars movie. But when he just walks into the bar and he he goes and gets a drink and Anakin says, what are you doing? I'm, I'm just ha- I'm having a drink. What do you think? I'm, I mean, he, I think he can do casual pretty darn good. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going with, with Han. Yeah. Cause I don't think there's, you're sitting at dinner. You want to hear some stories, right? Like one of the greatest dinners, I, well, it was actually a lunch, but one of the greatest meals I've ever had in my life was with uh, former Ohio state football coach, Earl Bruce. Uh, and when he was coaching our arena football team here and I mean, he found out I was a big Michigan fan and I mean, I just sat down for a couple of hours while he was, he was taking, he was taking them back, man. And just the stories he told 
I still tell these stories to some, I've got to clean them up quite a bit, but the stories he told about Woody Hayes and just the old school guys, you know, I mean, I, that was so much fun. And that was almost 20 years ago now. And I remember it vividly. I get the sense, I get the sense Han will get, would give you the what's up. What, you know what what the stuff that was really going on behind the scenes you know I just think it would be completely and totally unfiltered and GQ smooth at the exact same time so I've got to go with Han yeah but Obi-Wan's got Jedi stories I think Han would have some of those as well I mean he was with the re- he was he was there for the return of said Jedi he was there so I, I think he's got some cool stuff too I think oh, he'd he give me cool the 411 stuff. on everybody. Everybody. He's kind of the interconnective tissue to that entire universe, right? Because he was also the guy who handed it off to the next generation in The Force Awakens as well. So I, I think I've got to go with Han. I would say probably Lando for some of the same reasons. I mean, he's a, an interplanetary man of mystery, at least in some respects, and he would have a lot of great stories as well. It's it's a toss up between Lando and um, is it Mando the the, the Mandalorian uh, as well. That that would be an interesting house guest. Although I don't think there'd be a whole lot of storytelling going on with with a Mandalorian. So probably a toss up be- between those two. How about Chewbacca? That's like eight hundred years of good stuff right there. You if you can understand him, you couldn't understand. But if you can, you couldn't. A translator, yeah. I'd be concerned. I couldn't understand half of what Yoda would have to say because there's oh. 900 years of that. Yeah, okay. but even that, yeah, Yoda, that would, you, I think you'd last maybe a half hour with Yoda and like, okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, if, why not Luke? Because I'd want to, I don't want him over for dinner. Like, I want to see him go out and do stuff. You know what I mean? Like, if we're talking dinner, we're enjoying a meal, we're sitting around, we're mm-hmm. kicking it. If Luke's coming over, man, I want to see him doing. I want to. We'll have we'll have the meal afterwards. I want to see him like do stuff. You know what I mean? What about C three PO? You could ask him basically any question about the galaxy, and he'd have a pretty good idea oh, about no, dear, the no. answer, or no. at least where to find no, it. I just uh, no Han Solo. There's like I've got multiple punchlines on why that doesn't go well. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Back, hey, back to the thing with we're done now with this, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, that was three. All right. Here is, this is an interesting email about the Tucker Carlson story with the vanishing documents. This is from Chris who says, does this mean someone was trailing and monitoring any person involved with Tucker and his show? How would anyone know what the envelope contained or for that matter, it was going, or for for that matter, if it was going to Tucker specifically for the interview with Bobolinsky? This is some real life house of cards kind of stuff. There's the, the, the number of layers and parlays, uh, parlay legs that you have to believe in order to believe that it, it is an inside job or that it's that it's um, that it was intentional, which I do believe because this is just it be, it's beyond it's beyond um, just imagination. The the number of things that you have to believe, it's just ridiculous. Somebody somebody knew something. Or some multiple somebody's knew something and pulled multiple strings. All of your the answers to any questions you would ask about this are bad. 
There's no good answers to this. If there was a good, innocent explanation, UPS would have provided it by now. with hour two live and on demand here on blaze tv radio and podcast steve dace with totters and aaron mcintyre and all of you let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox steve at stevedace.com that's how you can email the show d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at steve dace show over on parlor at steve dace check out our new youtube channel youtube.com slash steve dace and don't forget we're going to be talking about a nefarious plot here in just a few minutes. The sequel book releases on December the 15th. You can pre-order it right now over at Amazon.com and do your duty. Not hopefully just to get a good book, but also to provide my kids a good Christmas. Go over to Amazon.com right now. Pre-order your copy of A Nefarious Carol, the sequel to A Nefarious Plot, releasing on December the 15th. All right, let's get to it. Theology Thursday. As we are looking back on my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, and it's brought to you by another book called Not Free America. Mike Donovan is not a guy that probably thought earlier in his uh, public life he'd be running ads on the Steve Day Show and on The Blaze for a book about liberty. Because he comes originally from the other side of the aisle. In fact, uh, he runs one of the country's largest pro bono civil rights law firms. But just as we've seen uh, the evolution uh, from our from people like our colleague Dave Rubin here on uh, the Blaze, Mike's undergone something similar as well, and he is concerned with how far the left has gone in America. That the Bill of Rights is under attack like never before, and that's what his new book is about. It's called Not Free America. Visit the website, notfreeamerica.com. You can take his Liberty Pledge. Order your copy of the book there today at notfreeamerica.com. Again, that's notfreeamerica.com. So we have been looking back on my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot. Now, we were originally doing this because we just thought it'd be a nice, cool thing to uh, revisit it. We're going to hopefully start shooting this movie version uh, next year. Uh, we're working on that right now. Um, it's leading up to the release of the, uh, the the sequel on December the 15th. We had no idea and still, until we started delving into this again, though, just how uncomfortably on point this book was about a lot of the things we have experienced and covered this year. So, let Todd, let's talk about it. What's the chapter we're going to be discussing this week? And you lead off the conversation. What do you want to talk about first? Chapter three, decadence. Like I said, this is the first specific bullet point within the broader outlines of the plan that we talked about last time. Meaning Nefarious's plan to take down America. Correct. He's, he's laying it all out in great detail, and now we're in the portion of the book where every chapter is one facet of that plan. And again, it's fascinating to watch the learning curve and understanding that the demon has of God himself and his creation. That is so fundamental when you're when you're reading this. They, they he, he the devil had to stop lying to himself in many ways. He said, "We enjoy punishing people so much. If that's our nature. We had to go against our own nature." Because it, through suffering, 
God has built in fail. Uh, you lay out that there's uh, several fail safes. That uh, why why God often doesn't answer uh, prayers. Uh, why He answers them in His own time, or perhaps uh, at the last second, so that we have to understand. We must be humble to God. It is His doing. It is His will, not ours. By the uh, way, quickly, sorry. Breaking news. UPS says now it has found the package. Um. After, quote, after an extensive search, we have found the contents of the package and are arranging for its return. Hmm. That is a statement that UPS just gave. So. Hmm. Yeah. Things that make you go, hmm. What were we saying about Lord Nefarious? Yeah. Anyway, that's like... (laughs) Talk about timing as well. Finish what you were saying. Secondly, bad. other fail safes within this culture, like even with a uh, last temp- when they tried to totally destroy the Christian hero, uh, last temptation of Christ uh, uh, or the God hero Noah. What was the Moses movie? I don't even remember what that was called. Like people don't. Oh, gods and monsters. Yeah, they can't. Where Christian Bale yeah. was a. Bi- a, a severe bipolar disorder Moses yes. and couldn't make couldn't figure out if he was actually talking to God yeah. or not yeah yeah. so people just reject that people aren't going to watch it they're like you know, I don't yeah I might not believe in God but you know that, that so they had to figure out uh, that it wasn't about destroying God per se it was about destroying us and you instead of punishment you had so we're, we learned from suffering. They had to real, realize that the largesse that America brought in, that was the Achilles heel. Being comfortable. You say, quote, when you are comfortable, you don't rock the boat. You don't challenge corruption. You don't take any chances on greatness. You don't critically look at yourself. End quote. How much have we talked about that on the show in the last couple of years about how <laughs> dumb, fat, and happy we've gotten why we won't fight why we won't sacrifice Mm -hmm. that's your that that's your opening uh why did you make a point Uh, because we you talk all the time i mean uh your old tagline uh the last thing was uh make money right Mm -hmm. but we talked last time fear god tell the truth and make money uh so there's nothing inherently evil about it but the devil clearly understands that uh uh, when the god said uh uh, talks about a camel through an eye and a needle and a rich man like the devil finally paid attention i think that I don't know that I've ever talked about this before on this show. I've talked about it before in front of groups or when I've spoken like in front of like men's groups or things of that nature. Um, You know, Romans chapter eight is like my favorite portion of scripture that in just that entire chapter, the rhetoric is soaring and uplifting and the ultimate um, encouraging note of encouragement. The I love the entire book of Nehemiah. I think a lot of that is my own projection because that's my own personality, and we and we all love me some me, and so I I kind of like that a guy got away with um, behaving in a way that is, is some of the aspects of my own persona I'm not always proud of, and so to help maybe it's I like it sometimes for the wrong reasons, self justification. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, you know what I mean? But if I could pick a verse or a portion of scripture that that has done a number on me more than any other. It is, it is this sentence. In the springtime, when kings went off to war, David stayed 
behind. Now, if you know what that portends, the rest of that story takes us into the story of David and Bathsheba. That here you have Israel's greatest warrior king. But he's united the 12 tribes now at this point. He doesn't have to be a warrior anymore. People do that. He has people that do those, uh, that fights for him now. And he gets to stay behind and enjoy the spoils and riches of his conquests. And it, it's that day that he notices the, the hottie bathing on the roof over yonder. And that sets David, because it wasn't like he lacked for women, right? Uh, but that, that was the one he had. That's another one he had to have. All the various other wives and concubines that uh, he was permitted to have wasn't good enough. He had to have that one too. And that sent him down a very dark path, uh, essentially being a direct accessory to murder, um, judgment, a stillborn child. I mean, it, it, this, this decision he's about to make here, because he's arrived, he has made it. And he has people that will now fight his battles for him. That level of complacency, it wasn't that David was any less morally susceptible earlier on when he was leading a righteous cause but he was leading but he was leading a righteous cause cause. yeah he had he didn't have the free time his time was devoted to something else and so it you know it it wasn't on his plate at that point didn't have the luxury of that and I don't agree that you tell you can tell a lot about a man's character by how they act and behave when and who they turn to when the chips are down I don't agree with that at all. I mean, our churches were full after 9-11, for example. I think the exact opposite is true. I mean, I, it's easy to drop to your knees when you've been told you're terminal. We don't, we can't, we don't have a cure. It's easy to drop to your knees when you've lost your job again and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, right? I think it's when you think you've got things going on. That's the issue. How does, how does, I think you'd tell a lot about a person's character the opposite way. How they behave and treat others, how they do or don't acknowledge God when they believe or the perception is that they have arrived to some degree. And now David has arrived and you see right away the road that he goes down because the very same same things about David's persona that made him such a great warrior king, those passions and appetites um, and desires they don't just turn off now that you own the throne. So that that energy has to go somewhere. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. The, the energy that that the energy and the zealousness and the passion that saw a young man look at Goliath in the Valley of Elah and say, "Hell no, 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 we're not doing this." And just instinctively, somebody we, we have to do something about to shut this guy up. Well, that, now that he's king, that energy is still there. But if he is not going to channel it into a constructive arena, the energy is going to is, is still going to find its way out. It's, it's why often the, there's the razor's edge of great men in history. High highs, low lows, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Because those things are prevalent. And, and that's how I am wired, by the way. If, if, if I am not, that's why I have to have competitive pursuits in my life. Like, 
uh, fantasy football and stuff. If, if I don't fill my free time with that, you probably don't want to know what I'm probably going to fill my free time with because that energy is going to have to go somewhere and it ain't going to go being pious. I just, I'm not made that way. It's just not going to be me and the scriptures in the woods for three hours. That's not how I'm wired. I'm wired and here to do things. And I've got that energy has to be channeled and, 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 and directed and manifested somewhere. It's just a matter of whether it will be in a destructive or constructive way. And you see that in David's life. And I think you see that in the arc of history of our country. We were just talking last week about the sign I saw walking my neighborhood in, in uh, one of the nicer houses in my neighborhood, a lot nicer house than I live in. But when you walk by this house all the time, it's, a, it's the quintessential young millennial couple, beautiful daughters. The mom is a stay-at-home daughter, stay-at-home wife, home with the girls all the time. The dad comes home and I see him out in his yard all the time, like as soon as he gets home, either playing with the kids or doing yard work after working all day. I mean, it, it looks like Americana. And they've got this silly sign in their yard, we believe in love and love is love and science. Stuff that just is, we discredit on this show all the time because it's just not true. If, if they didn't have that standard of living, could they still afford this? Uh, who knows? They might still believe some of those things, but they wouldn't have the luxury of acting on them. They got bills to pay this month, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you look at the last several presidential elections, the wealthier you are, the more likely you are to vote Democratic. We first saw this in 08 with Obama. That's where we first saw the break. Because the Republicans had always been the party of the rich, right? It was under Obama. Obama destroyed John McCain amongst the wealthiest. Why? Because there's been a great transition in America's corporations and in, 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 in this generation. It used to be maybe rich folks didn't agree with us on these cultural issues, because they liked having mistresses and the like because they could afford them and you and I can't. But they wanted government to leave their, their, their investment and portfolios alone and their companies alone. So they aligned with us as a common thread, right? It's the exact opposite now. They're almost all on the left because they'll just get government to fund them, government contracts, government to bail them out. And they get the cultural values they want at the exact same time. So this is what Nefarious is addressing is that you can now afford decadence as a people. Uh, you, you can afford, hey, you know what? I, I, I got the babysitter pregnant, three, four hundred bucks for an abortion. You know, a guy making, you know, 12 bucks an hour saying you want fries or that at McDonald's cannot afford that, right? Right. But you living in the suburbs or in the gated community, you know, who you just who put $300 down on whether, you know, the, the devil rays were going to beat the Dodgers the other night and didn't care that you lost, you can. And so with the increased standard of living comes a certain level of our own belief that we are inoculated against some of the natural laws that are, that are embedded to hold us against, accountable against our own yes. unrestrained behaviors. And we think we can reach a certain level of economic, uh, uh, you know, uh, padding, insurance, you know, wealth that, well, we can afford to pay that penalty and, and still en enjoy our indulgences. That's what he's talking about. There's, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I, I think, I mean, this is so appropriate for the year that we're living in. And I, I think 
One you mean of the, who wanted the shutdowns and who did not? Exactly. Yeah. One of the big mistakes that I have made in trying to deduce and and um, uh, and try to figure out where we're at as a culture and what's driving this during this cam- uh, this pandemic is I thought early on that our decadence would actually hasten the return to normalcy. Mm-hmm. It would actually increase it because we hold these idols, these distractions as idols, whether it's sports, whether it's going to the movies, whether it's any number of things that got taken away or that we took away from ourselves early on. It's actually that decadence and that comfortability that kept us going. Everybody got yes. the checks. Yep. At least a critical mass of people, I should say, didn't really have to worry, never really worried about losing their comfort, their creature comforts. They they lost some sporting events, they lost some new movies, but they didn't actually they didn't actually lose their ability to make a living. At least a critical mass, like I said, mm-hmm. enough to yes. keep the rest of us or the rest of those who yep. couldn't afford that down. And this passage from this chapter. Ah uh, yes. Comfort has become one of our favorite words and most effective tools, because when you're comfortable, you don't rock that boat. You don't challenge corruption. You don't take any chances on greatness. You don't critically look at yourselves. Not taking chances, Steve. Don't look critically at yourselves. Is that not what we have seen? Yeah. And mass, at yep. least from a critical mass of people this year. I mean, it goes to what Scott Atlas was talking about, that, it, this, that, that shutdowns were a luxury of the rich. I can sit mm-hmm. home and rest on my nest egg yeah. or or if or I'm, I'm I'm government dependent and they'll just keep sending me checks. It's no coincidence that we suddenly decided. I wonder if the schools are safe when the original uh, unemployment twelve hundred dollar and then the unemployment that was greater than your paycheck when all that ran out this spring. What was it? June 30th, I want to say, is when that ran out or somewhere around there. When all that ran out, it's not surprising that suddenly people are like, I wonder if it's safe to send our kids back to school now, right? Mm -hmm. Because now you're not getting paid. You're not getting paid to give up your way of life. You're You're not giving, you're not being brandished a level of comfort to not have to work. And they played into that. What he is saying is we played into that. Our the welfare state helped us to create. And, 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 and when we say welfare state, the, you know, we have this notion of some inner city mom with four kids by three baby daddies ha- popping out more kids for another ADC check. That's not what Nefarious is talking about. What Nefarious is talking about is like uh, uh, that, that, that's a welfare program, but a welfare state, the idea that dependency is who you are. And that therefore you can you can afford in your the perception yes. is you can afford a certain level of decadence uh, because you're because because of the level of complacency that you think you have achieved or is subsidized. Hold that thought because we're definitely going to get back in that direction. To, but to put a finer point on what exactly uh, decadence is and this comfort in this wealth that allows for it, it's not. De- decadence may end up getting to the full-on orgy and in many respects it has mm-hmm. but that's really not the thing the thing that allows your wealth to not only paper over your sins but i think more importantly and you say it's the thing that you will protect your comfort at all costs it, it the the real definition of decadence at least in terms of ultimately bringing down this nation is that you come to have really no standard at all and if you even try, you know you're just gonna—you'll you, be called a bigot or something. Why mm-hmm. would I want that? Mm-hmm. I'm just 
we go back to not rocking the boat. That's what the most dangerous level of decadence is in terms yes. of nefarious in the American experience. No standard. When, when I was, um, it, it's 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 the it's the the dual D U A L dual scenes of Rocky three where Clubber Lang's man doing mm-hmm. the chin ups on yeah. the pipe in the basement and Rocky sitting around doing photo ops at gold's yeah, yeah, gym, yeah. right? He's lost his eye of the tiger. Mm-hmm. And I never understood what this was like until my career began to ascend after I, on a national level and where it first hit me is I was getting ready to do a national forum on NPR uh, this is before you guys came to work here. I was getting ready to do a national forum on NPR with a couple of big names on the left and the right. One of the people I was going to be on, I mean, I'd watched him for years growing up, Norman Ormstein at the American Enterprise Institute, who's now gone orange man bad, insane, okay? But these are guys that all like were big names, people that were on like the McLaughlin group and this week with David Brinkley that I used to watch growing up as a political junkie, right? And now I'm on this show with them. Uh, and I don't even, it was something on Obamacare that NPR was doing. And I was, apparently they couldn't get anybody else, so they made their way all the way. My show was, my national show was just beginning. So they must have made it way down the totem pole to put me up on the right against all these various people. And I remember before this thing went on, and I remember thinking to myself, you know what, I need to probably say this a little differently, do that a little differently. And the woman who used to sit in the chair that you sit in, Jen, years ago, she looked at me and said, I'm sorry, who did they invite on the show? Uh, And I said, I don't know what you mean. I I believe that you were invited. They called and asked Steve Dace to do the show. And I said, yeah. And she said, well, then you should probably just be Steve Dace. And that was the first time that internal mechanism that we have, particularly as men, that when we think we are on the way up or have arrived at some level, how do we just maintain? You know what I'm saying? What's and, my standard yes. today? And so I, I took her encouragement, went on that show, and I whooped their ass, frankly, the entire pla- the entire yeah. time. Okay, it was a it, it was four on one, and the odds were not in their favor. Okay, um, and I realized that even having that internal conversation, that doesn't mean hey. I might say, I might, when I'm I'm mad at my son, Noah, who's a little man now, a young man now, I might say something kind of brazen right to his face to get his attention that maybe I wouldn't say to my own mom. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying there's no prudence of occasion, but I was like having this internal dialogue with myself about how to, how to be almost like a different person. Did God really say? Yeah. And, and she called me on it. And, and so I have remembered that moment every time I get asked to do something or be somewhere for the first time is ultimately, hey, if you don't want me and my take, I get it. I'm not for everybody. I got people who love me. I'm not for them. <laughs> right? Fine. Don't ask me, though, because if you ask me on, if you invite me in, you, this is you're going to get me. Not another version that you wanted. I'm going to give you me. But it was that pressure of, okay, you know, okay. I do all that, say all that crazy conservative stuff to get here. But now that you're here, you got to tone it down. Those were the conversations I was kind of having with myself. And that just goes to what Nefarious is seeking to exploit here. You don't want to lose what you have, do you? Well, no, but ultimately who's responsible for what I have? Him. He is. I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. 
I'm a kid born to a 15-year-old mom. How many kids born to 15-year-old moms get to where I am at right now? Not many. How did I do it? Well, I flunked out of college. So I can't, there's, I can't literally claim any credit. The, the, the capital resources that were raised to get me off of local radio and take me nationally, I didn't raise it. Literally, a group of businessmen came to me out of the blue and offered it to me. I, I didn't even know these guys. I can't claim credit for anything. I just showed up. And, I, and I, have, I've, I've, I have to fight to maintain that perspective so that I don't lose the eye of the tiger. So that one day you're not saying about me, in the springtime, when kings went off to war, David stayed behind. Well, here's the most fascinating part, I think, of the whole chapter uh, to me. And you started hitting on it, the welfare state. But the, you, you described you needed a force powerful enough to bypass the laws of nature and nature's God to make this happen. I mean, that seems preposterous. Mm-hmm. But you d- ultimately, it's a co-option. And this is everything I've ever talked about with the tragedy of American compassion. You don't mention that. I've talked about this book. You don't bring that book up specifically. But that's exactly what you're talking about. It it just said, no, we'll, we, we're government. We, we absolutely believe in those things. We can just do it more efficiently. And so it takes the sin of covetousness. And it makes it a right. Yes. And it turns the whole scam yep. into Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It takes like that one passage and the truth that's in there yep. takes it totally out of context. And so, like the hierarchy of the the the, uh, the, the the Ten Commandments, covetousness is down at the bottom, and there is a hierarchy. So it starts meek and mild at the bottom mm-hmm. and infects all the way up to the top mm-hmm. until the uh, ultimately God is you and your desires Mm -hmm. and your baseness. Yes. The idea that I have a right to things I don't own. I have a right to what you have accomplished. Um, I have a right to something my neighbor possesses that I can't afford or um, that I want. And it's good because it's equality and what God wants and he loves you. Yes. See, there's a misnomer that homosexuality is the first sin we've ever taken as a people and turned it into a political agenda. Oh, it's not true. Oh, no. Covetousness is. That's the basis of the welfare state. You are entitled to that which is not yours. You are permitted to tithe with other people's money. You're permitted to do that. And you look at what, with the system that God gave the Israelites. He gave them basically a form of a flat tax. Everybody paid 10%. The widow and the rich. It's just 10% of what the rich had is a heck of a lot more than what a widow has, right? But, but it was not a progressive system. Meaning that because you were successful, you got punished more. No, you paid more, but you weren't punished more. Everybody paid the same rate. Everybody owed God the same first fruits in terms of the rate. But what that equated to was different based on your personal wealth. We have done the opposite. We have incentivized covetousness. We've incentivized class warfare. I'm reminded of a conversation I, I had on MSNBC several years ago, and it was during the 2012 election. And I was, I was on a panel, and we were having a conversation about which candidate, Romney or Obama, would be better at creating jobs. And we get to me at the end, and I asked everybody, because that's the way it works when you're the one conservative on an MSNBC panel, you speak last. Um, and so it got to me, and I just said, hey, uh, and everybody on this panel, raise your hand if you've ever gotten a job from a poor person. Because the entire Obama argument was we need to tax the rich more to create jobs. So I'm like, okay, well, raise your hand if you've ever gotten a job from a poor person. No hands went up. I said, yeah, me too. Every job I've ever gotten is from a rich person. 
So tell me how then we're going to create more jobs by punitively punishing the only class of people that are empowered to create jobs. How, do, how does that work? Uh, end of conversation, commercial break, and uh, we'll see you guys next time because they can't answer questions like that. You know why? Because their belief system isn't based in logic. It's based in, which, in this covetousness. That's what it's predicated out of. Okay, and that's the difference. It's based, it's, 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 it's policy by desire. I've used that phrase, that phrase before. That's what it is. I wanna, I want this to be mm -hmm. true. I desire to own this. Policy by desire. And so since now government is co-opted to do something it was never intended for and simply cannot do, as we've talked about, does government just to say, you know what, we tried, we were wrong, we go, it never goes away. No. It never filters itself, it doubles down. So after uh, after the welfare state and covetousness, then you get the next version. Well, why isn't this happening? Victimology is created. Yep. And now you take it up to where we are right now. After victimology, you flat out get the upside down. You get unreality. Yes. Yes. Because it becomes a feedback loop. I'm a victim because I don't, you have something I want that I don't have. And there's no way you could have it because you might not, there's no, you, it's not because you're better than me. I mean, dude, we've got athletes who are the 1% of the 1% of the 1% all over their social media right now, heading into the election, acting like they're the most oppressed people ever. The co-founder of Black Lives Matters just signed a motion picture development deal with Warner Brothers, arguably the biggest movie studio in the world other than Disney. Nothing says oppressed like that, right? But but I need the the struggle is the affirmation. The claiming of victim status is the affirmation. And then that feedback loop between the covetousness and the victimology, it's just a perpetuating cycle that never ends unless an external force breaks it. So we love to make our pets happy, right? They're cute. They're adorable. That's why we take care of them. We love on them. We play with them, take them for walks. Some of you even take them for runs. We get them groomed. We feed them. But we got to make sure we give them what they need the absolute most, which is nutrition. Because a lot of the food that we are buying for our pets these days, it's been stripped mine, man. A lot of the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, uh, what else? Pre, probiotics, antioxidants, omega oils. Just like a lot of that stuff is taken out of our uh, foods these days. That's why one of the biggest sections at every grocery store in America is the supplement section. We've got entire stores that are nothing but supplements because we want that stuff put back in our food because it's been taken out for mass consumption, mass distribution, long shelf life. Same thing goes with our pet's food as well. Thankfully, Rough Greens Vitasmart wants to be the supplement that your dog needs. It's a powder that apparently tastes great because our dog Cap loves this stuff. You mix it in with the food that your pet already loves. And all that good stuff I just mentioned that's probably been taken out of your pet's food is put back in and then some. And if you don't want to see, uh, or if you want to see, if you don't see a difference in your pet in, say, maybe two weeks or less, uh, get the 14-day Jumpstart bag just to get started and see if this is the right product for you. It's less than 15 bucks. Less than 15 bucks. I think your pet's worth finding out, right? Uh, go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. Again, that's roughgreens.com slash blaze. So, let, let's end on a positive note today. Because I, I, I am concerned. 
I'm on the record. I'm getting a Florida 2000 vibe from Pennsylvania. I do think Pennsylvania could very well be the entire election. I, I don't think these blue state governors like Tom Wolf in Pennsylvania who lied to their people to keep them locked down with voodoo and junk science and flat eartherism for most of this year are suddenly going to turn around and sign off on a, a fair election when they're empowered to not do so. And I'm concerned about what that means. And then I'm concerned we are careening to civil war in America. But let's end on a positive note. If you pulled me aside and said, Steve, all right, we know what you're, we, we know why you're gripping. <laughs> we know what you're gripping over and for. But if, what would be the ideal situation for you in this election? S- something that if you could pick your perfect scenario, what would it be? Well, to set this up, I want you to hear a little bit of this. Okay. This is Flint, Michigan City Council member, lifelong Democrat Maurice Davis yesterday, who's black, coming out, speaking to a crowd and the media about why he is backing President Trump for re-election. Listen to this. What an honor to be standing before you at a serious time like this in the world. Pandemic. The China virus or a plague, I even caught it and was in intensive care twice. The narrative has been spent. This is not a game, folks. President Trump, Vice President Pence, God used whoever he want to to bring his people out of whatever the problem have to be. Right now, the narrative been spent President Trump is full of hate. Let me tell you something. The Democrats is full of hate. I'm tired. I've been a Democrat. I am a Democrat all my life. 64 years. Last four years, I voted for Hillary Clinton. This year, I decided to go with President Trump. I'm not a bootlicker. I'm not an Uncle Tom. I'm none of those things. I'm somebody that's in a poor, impoverished community. President Trump, thanks to my good friend, Charles LaDuff out of Detroit, I was doing a piece on closing liquor stores early because I live inside of a crime scene right here in Flint. People are in foreclosure right here in Flint. People are losing everything. And when Mr. Trump said, what the hell you got to lose? He was talking to me. He was not talking to my seat. Only thing Maurice D. Davis got to lose is a council seat at $700 every two weeks. But this is what I got to gain. Instead of being a divided state of America, it's time to be the United States of America. Do you understand what I'm telling you? I don't want to hear fault. He without seeing cast the first stone. 
We saved under grace. God used whoever he want to, such as times like these. Vice President Pence, the Trump administration, they reached out to me. Our water crisis has been silent. I've been before probably 170 million people in a couple of days. Interviews everywhere and people accuse me of being selfish. People dying right here and have died. We're tired of suffering and nobody give a damn about poor folks. President Trump, they rushed out with nothing but love from y'all all over this nation. I don't want to hear another time I'm a Trump supporter, I'm an American supporter. Y'all have more love. Now the Democrats call me every name but the child of God. And I'm gonna shut up because I got two minutes because much more I can say. But I'll tell you one thing. This nation is one nation under God. One nation under God. Thank y'all for listening. Thank you. If I could, if, if I could choose one scenario, that would be my perfect scenario for this election. And again, that's Maurice Davis. Council, city council member in Flint, Michigan. Community I know very well. I grew up in Michigan. I've been there numerous times. My wife has family in Flint. And um, parts of Flint are a mini Detroit. And you remember a few years ago, 21st century America, they didn't have clean, reliable running water for how long? If I could choose the optimum scenario. Because one of the reasons I want Donald Trump to win, it's not just that I thought he earned my vote with his accomplishments. And I have been free in pointing out where I think he could have done more. He could be doing more right now to help himself win. Cracking down on big tech, he could be doing more. But it's not just his record, but I'm also concerned about what emboldening the sinister forces at work on the left will do to send us careening to a civil war. Because for all the systemic problems we have in America right now, and we have, we have them, is there a better place on earth right now to hand the future off to your children than this place? No. I take our problems and our ability historically to overcome them over any other nation's problems on this earth right now. I would. At least as far as my kids are concerned. So if, if, one, if my big fear about where we're at right now is we're careening to a civil war, then I'm, I'm obviously going to pursue, and to me the ideal situation to pursue would be one that would blow that narrative up. One that would take that narrative and stick it where the sun don't shine and do it in broad daylight so that those who are pushing this all of, the, all of the buzzwords and do-gooder phrases they use to justify it all get exposed as a scam, like the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And we all see for ourselves what the truth is. And you know what narrative would do that? If Donald Trump got reelected because he lost white women in the suburbs with their luxurious ability to carry everybody to death from their cul-de-sacs. 
while the husbands they largely don't appreciate and stopped having sex with 10 years ago and then wonder why they don't pay attention to them because they give them nothing in return for the 75 hours a week they work. As they caddy gossip and post their, we believe in science, signs in their yard with their daughters who the current fake science wants to deny their femininity and give the dude with the mental illness their spot on the track team. If the Lord came to me and said, Steve Dace, I'm going to give you, you get to make the call. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. I set up kingdoms and make them fall. No power on earth reigns except that which I have ordained or permitted. And I'm going to give you, Steve Dace, you tell me, I'm going to give you the outcome on Tuesday, November the 3rd that you want. Now, obviously I want a clean, obvious win from a chicanery and a divisiveness standpoint. But if the Lord gave me that option, it would be that Donald Trump loses white suburban women and wins historic levels of minority support to win re-election in a non-controversial matter. Meaning the, the outcome is not in dispute. What that would do to blow up the marauding mobs in our cities, in our newsrooms, on our campuses, increasingly in our churches, it would blow them up, isolate them. It might halt the march to self-immolation that we seem, these leftists seem to be hell-bent on pushing us on. It would take all of their narratives, every gambit they've played, and blow it up. It would be, in my opinion, the best outcome for this country. That would be my ideal situation. Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Oh, yes. And the opportunity at hand, it would, you would need to follow through on that. It's like in Wonder Woman, you know, No Man's Land, she, she couldn't do it alone. It wouldn't just be about this election. You, you need to get through that gap and follow through. And the next four years of, of Donald Trump's presidency and whatever Republican Congress there is, should be about not exploiting no not not just for cheap political gain but doing what we on the show have been advocating for tucker has uh matthew peterson at the american uh mind a, a, a genuine new contract with america the america that that man from flint talked about he 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 doesn't want any part of your tribalism you, 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 as an political advocate, uh, as a, a, a charitable person, must genuinely get involved at a human level in, in places and with people that perhaps you thought impossible to make this seed grow. Because what you are talking about, while utterly beautiful and perhaps the most important seed in modern political history, is still nonetheless a seed. 
our political movement, conservatism, must define itself henceforward, henceforth as committed to making that seed grow. You know, the 2016 election, I think what's going to be done, or what we fear, I guess we should say, is going to be done in this election would have been done in 2016 if it weren't for the fact that I think everybody on the left and basically the Trump campaign itself legitimately thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win that election. So they didn't have these backup plans, if you will, for what to do, these war games, for what to do if she lost a stunner. Having said that, the outcome of that election, when it comes to pushing back on the left in this country, on the progressive cabal in this country, was akin to maybe you see in a superhero movie where an overmatched hero, and I'm not calling the Republicans heroes, that's not what I'm saying, but when an overmatched hero takes on a villain, punches him in the face, and the villain does a double take. And then just gets back on to trying to kick the hero's butt. That was about the month after the election where we really saw those efforts. What did we see wrong here? Maybe we should reach out to middle America a little bit more. And then after that, it was drag queen story hour. Yeah. If you want to do more than a double take, then the Jehovah's Witness uh, uh, blink reboot and get on with the progressive cabal again. Do and see what happens when, st- when, when what Steve just outlines comes to fruition. See what happens. Yeah. Because it's one thing when you're debating, look at Sweden with the suburban women, woman who just wants, or anybody, any of the panic f- uh, porn fear mongers. Um, it, it's one thing when you say, look at Sweden, and they can just say, well, you, you, you they can obfuscate, obfuscate, obfuscate. It's another thing, though, when you say, look what's look at who our president still is and you didn't vote for him and all of your friends didn't vote for him. Uh, But a lot of people who you say who you say you're protecting by voting against or you were protecting by voting against Trump, those are the people who are actually voting for the psychology of that. I don't know what's going to happen, but I think it's going to be a little bit more than a that that might blow some things up at least for a little while longer the problems the fissures the fractures whether or not donald trump wins in that fashion wins convincingly otherwise or loses the fissures and fractures are still going to be there um but i think you could do i think you could go a long ways and actually landing a legitimate blow if that happens if you are thinking of getting involved in the real estate market um make sure you go in with a legitimate real estate agent uh one that you can trust where would you find that person uh, the, ne- the name of the website says it all, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com, a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates, tired of agents who talked a good game but then didn't deliver the results when needed the most. And you can find an agent that you can trust in this website fully vetted almost anywhere in the country at realestateagentsitrust.com. Very well said, both of you. We're going to stick around uh, and do the overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers. For the rest of you, we will see you again tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.